0: On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, we tell you why the 76ers' offensive rebounding issues could be a problem going forward.
1: You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome, you are on Locked On 76ers. I'm your co-host, Devon Givens, here with my partner, Keith Pompey, as we uh, break down last night's game against the Toronto Raptors, a loss for the Philadelphia 76ers. Keith, what's going on, man? Tough one last night against the Raptors.
1: Yeah, it was a tough one. But, D, first, we got to remind people that today's episode is brought to you by Built Online. Bet Online has covered this season – with more props, eyes, and lines than ever before. Bet online, where the game starts. It was a tough one, D. It
0: was a bad one, man. Bad, bad, bad loss. Yeah. No doubt about it. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including, folks, YouTube at Locked On 76ers Podcast as well. Yeah, it was a tough one last night, Keith. A five-point loss, 93-88, in a game where they were up by 16 points in the first half. The Mavericks were able to chip into the lead overall in the second quarter and find their way, Keith, up at the break uh, as well. So, but a big part of it, man, was the fact that the offensive rebounding. Let's start with the defensive rebounding and the rebounding totals overall. Defensively, it was even, 36 to 35, Keith. When you look at the Dallas Mavericks, pardon me, the the Toronto Raptors with one more rebound than the 76ers last night. 56, though, rebounds to 40. And there were 16, pardon me, 20 offensive rebounds for the Toronto Raptors last night against the 76ers. And that was a big problem, Keith. This is not the first time that we've seen this. And this has been an issue for the team all season long.
1: Yeah, it was an issue. And and it's one of those things, D, when you look at it, you say to yourself, like, you know, this could hinder them in the postseason. I mean, right about now when we're looking at games, you know, everything is all about seeing, well, how do they match up against people? What do they need to work on? What do they need to correct? You know, it was one of those things where, you know, because of the offensive rebounds, um, you know, second-chance points, I mean, they had 12 of them, I'm surprised, but it was like five or six. They only got like five or six second-chance shots, whereas, you know, you look at the Raptors, they had 21 second chance shots. They want eight for 21. So it's just a matter of them just missing yep. shots, right? But the Sixers, it was more or less, you go down there, you miss a shot, you're done. You're back on defense. And that's a problem that yep. they have. You know, that's a that's a major
0: problem. You And look, man, it, it's simple for me when you're talking about offensive rebounds. It's about positioning and want to. You know, are you going to put a body on your man? not allow him to crash the glass the way that they were last night. They were very active. Preston Sachua, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakama. I think I was looking at the number, and they had three different players And Preston Sachua, uh, Kim Birch, and also Chris Boucher. Five each, Keith. 15 offensive rebound between three players. So where are the 76ers in putting the bodies On these players, I understand that they're long and they're athletic and they're active, but that's the, that's the, that's how they play. That is the, the identity of what the Toronto Raptors do. That was without Van Vliet last night. Uh, Of course, a lot of changes in their overall roster over the last couple of seasons, but at the core of it all, Nick Nurse has his team playing. And, uh, with a, a different lineup from time to time, and they have Scotty Barnes handling the point guard position. He's defending point guards when when the time calls for it. Last night, he was on James Harden quite a bit as well with these 6'9", six, 6'8", six, very, again, lengthy players that can bother the offensive player. But this was on the defensive end where you just see the team not putting the body on, on, the, on the players and uh, coming up with these second chance opportunities. You can't you can't allow them to have twenty-one second chance shots, and overall, they shoot ninety-three times where you shoot seventy-three times. Yeah,
1: and if you look at it, that the difference is those twenty, those fifteen offensive rebounds that they got. You know, that's fifteen extra. You might as well say extra possessions or or save possessions, right? So now, now here, here's, the they, they are, yeah. here's the thing. here's the thing. When you look at the 76ers right about now, and, and, and we look at this this roster, right, you, you look at the, let's just say the post players, right? So you have uh, Tobias Harris, George Niang, Joel Embiid, right, DeAndre Jordan, right? Um, those are the guys that you know that are going to play in there, guys in the degree. The rest of them, and when you look at George Niang, yes, he's a power forward, but he's kind of like a stretch big. You know, we're not saying, okay, George, go down there and uh, we want you to bang and do it and, and do a post move. You know what I mean? His game is out there. Tobias Harris is a tweener, man. You know, he's listed as six nine, but some people argue he's six seven, six eight, right? You know, Joel yeah. is he does is, crash
0: the glass though. I will give him that.
1: He he does, but he's still small. I mean, the thing is, I I like Tobias. But the mismatches with Tobias comes when he goes up against a Pascal Siakam, a Scotty Barnes, you know, um, a, a Chris Boucher. I mean, when you look at it, you can see that they're bigger than him, right? You can just see it. They're younger. They're more athletic than he is. You know, they can do a lot of the same things that Tobias does offensively, too. So yeah. it's kind of like that's when you see, like, whoa, he's a small six nine, right? so he does crash the boards but again when we talk about that like you know we, well, we just named three guys we named Kember look OG OG didn't even play last night you know what i mean so I, when yeah, you, when, yeah. you, when you look the at that way. and you look at that and then you think about what boston has you think about with um with some of these other teams have it's just going to be tough it's like it puts a lot of pressure on Joel and B to to grab boards now on this one particular night Joel only had one offensive rebound, you know, and and I know we're going to talk more about Joel's game, but it is, again, it's one of these games where you look at it and it it was just like any other game that we've seen before. Joel Embiid has to dominate for them to win. He did not dominate. He was six for 20. He had uh, 13 rebounds. but he only had one offensive, you know, and he had 21 points. And right now, the Sixers just don't have anybody to step up to do that—the dirty work, get the rebounds, or step up and and uh, you know help them help them lead
0: offensively. They just don't. No, and and I, I agree on the offensive rebounding side, but as far as the defensive rebounds go, to keep the opponent off the glass, he did total twelve defensive wow. rebounds, and James Harden had nine no one else had over four or five. Actually, that was Tobias Harris when it comes to the defensive rebounding to, again, give that effort, use that body, box out. Others, gang rebound. (laughs) You know, let's, let's get this thing so these guys don't have extra possessions. Just looking at it, 18 offensive rebounds through three quarters, Keith, and only two in the fourth for the Toronto Raptors. But again, that's deflating. Uh, i'd imagine and then look i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that i've played on a super high level or anything but when you feel like you've worked very hard on the defensive end and an offensive rebound uh, and a defensive rebound opportunity presents itself and let's say they get one okay you're you're upset about it but you get right back at it you dig in again and you try to go in and do what you need to do to box out the next time to make sure you get the offensive rebound one more time but when they're getting. Two, three, and four offensive rebounds on one possession, and then they do finally score. Again, very deflating as a player when you know you've just busted it for a few possessions there for a few seconds to make sure that you have an opportunity to do so. And uh, last night, man, just seeing uh, seeing that how it all played out, seeing how the Raptors just just, just finally got after the Sixers and just took it from them. It was very tough to sit there and watch and one that we need to pay attention to going forward with 12 games remaining now on the schedule. Sixes are 43 and 27, the Raptors 40 and 31 after last night. Next we'll talk about just what you mentioned, Keith, Joel Embiid and his struggles. Six of 20 last night, he still finished with a double double of 21 and 13, but it wasn't his normal Joel Embiid performance. Is this a problem going forward? We'll address that next. Right here on the '70s, locked on 76ers. But I do want to tell everybody, Keith, as we are here on this day, late light, late late night last night, as we left the arena because it's such a late game, 8:30 start here in Philadelphia. And one of the first things I did this morning, Keith, was to make sure that I jumped in on one of my built bars. Went into the kitchen, feeling a little groggy, and I needed a little pick me up. And instead of saying, you know what, I want something sweet, let me go and get myself a candy bar or some other. Ah, uh, pastry that may be in the kitchen. Keith, I went with the Built Bar. I had to go with the Built Bar and become a big fan of it. And uh, not only just the Built Bar, but the puffs. Have you tried the puffs, folks? Have you tried the puffs out there? If you haven't, you're missing out on Built Bar's best tasting bars. The puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, a 100% real chocolate. And if you are a fan of their incredible flavors, let me tell you about yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. I'm letting you know that now all built Bars are, again, covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included. That's 100% real chocolate. So go in. Go to built.com. Scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away about the high-protein locale high fiber, low on carb, and you compare that to a candy bar or any other things that you like to, uh, tasty treats that you like to get involved in. Mint, brownie, coconut, coconut almond, just a few uh, that they uh, have put together and they put together very nicely and they are all delicious, new flavors added all the time. If you can think of it, they'll put it together. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste, so they make it very delicious. First, figure it out later on how to work it out. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast with fortnightly nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local ex- experts, maybe Keith, maybe myself, from time to time. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, Keith, Joel B, the struggles last night, six for 20 from the field, as I, as we mentioned in the uh, earlier segment, 21 and 13 last night, six of 20, over for 3 from beyond, 9 of 11 from the foul line and 37 minutes and 15 seconds. And the foul shooting came a little bit later. At one point, he had only been to the line one time making one for two, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's played a lot of minutes this season, Keith. He's He's been carrying this team. He's he's put put them on his shoulders throughout uh, the big part of this season. And adding James Harden was supposed to alleviate some of the, the pressure off of him, especially on a night like last night where he struggles a bit from the floor because of whatever defense that they threw at him, the different – Coverages that that he had to see and the different matchups that he also had to see last night, Keith. What do you attribute last night's struggles from Joel Embiid?
1: You know, I, I think two. Well, there's two things. Uh, the first thing I will say is Joel Embiid was tired. He looked fatigued. I mean, he's just he just wasn't okay. The normal guy like that we saw. Secondly, I have to say right. it's Nick Nurse, right? I mean you look at the Toronto Raptors and you look at the history. At first we thought it was uh Valachunes, like right, oh Valachunas is like yeah. being stiff he's 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 doing something to, to Joel. And then all of a sudden we say, "Uh-oh, it's Marcus Saul. Marcus Saul is the guy that's doing it." Well, you know, aside from the last yeah. game that the that the Sixers played them, not this one, but the one prior in um in Toronto. Joel has basically struggled against them. And I'm, I'm going to read you some of these um, his stats, right? So Joel is averaging 20 points against them, 20.8, right? Sounds like, come on, Pompey, where are you bringing that up? That's a pretty good number. Yet that's the second lowest uh, average against an NBA team for Joel. Joel is averaging 11.3 rebounds and 2.9 assists, right? So you look at it for a guy that, of that size, that's not bad. But when you go down to his uh, field goal percentage against them. Joel is shooting 41.9%. From three, he's shooting 28%, 28 28.8% against them, right? So, you know, Joel has struggled against their defenses. What they do is they do a pretty good job of doubling him. They have a bunch of athletic guys who are tall, all between the ranges of 6'8 and 6'10 who are interchangeable now. And what they do is they get hands on the balls. They do a lot of things and they make it a tough shot. But with that being said, when, when I think about it and you look at a Kim Birch and you look at a precious precious, a and you look at a, a Chris Boucher, you know, you're saying to yourself, like these guys, especially not this year should be able to make Joel B work so hard and miss so many shots. So even though the defensive scheme is good and was good, I also think that, you know, Joel and B just looked like he didn't have it at all last night. He just looked fatigued. He was tired. Indeed, there was a point we talked about this last night. There was a point where I believe he was at the foul line and the ref had to check something. And Joel walks over to the scorer's table and sits on the scorer's table. The ball boy comes over and gives him a towel so he can wipe himself off. Yeah. Like he was, he was gassed.
0: Joel was gassed last he night. Was. So to me, I think that yeah, had yeah. a lot to do with it. Yeah, he absolutely looked tired last night. And uh, I remember that time of the game where the officials were reviewing whatever play that they were reviewing. And yes, he went and sat on the scores table. Ball boy brought him, he, w- he waved the ball boy over to bring him a towel. And he sat there for the entire Time that they were looking at the the audio, the video. Pardon me. And yeah, he does. He he does look a little fatigued. And again, as I mentioned, he he's played a lot, lot this season. And it's not just the, not just the minutes that he's logged. It's what he's had to do in those minutes with the absence, of course, of his his uh, former partner that was the franchise player there with him, and having to do so much uh, for the offense and the defense. Right. He's also the anchor of the defense outside of Matisse Thybulle he's on the back end having to clean up a lot of mess that was uh, getting past those guys on the perimeter and last night might have been an opportunity Keith with this back to back situation with the raptors or well, last night the miami heat tonight that was that an opportunity for them to to give him a rest to give him a little bit of a break and and sit down get the night off and get ready for the miami heat so I don't, I don't know which one they felt was more important as far as the Raptors or the Heat, but last night he absolutely looked uh, uh, fatigued, but he did get it going in the third quarter where, as I mentioned, he was 7 of 8 from the free throw line. And I, and I mean 7 of 8 from the free throw line as far as getting it going because he was 0 for 4 in the third quarter, and uh, but the Sixers it was terrible looking quarter, by the way, 20 to 12, Sixers won that quarter. It was just awful. Both teams shot poorly, 31% for the Sixers, 20.8% for the Toronto Raptors. And Joel Embiid, as I mentioned, seven points, but uh, you know, the free throws, putting them together, all seven points uh, came at the foul line for the big fella and 0 for 4. I saw where obviously our vantage point, Keith, they were coming towards us in the second half as far as their, their, their basket, and hit some of his shots, Keith, they looked like they went in and out, in and out. So they were there. We've seen him make these shots all season. And last night they were just in and out or short. And as you mentioned, he just looked a little bit tired last night. And that's why you also get James Harden, man. He looked, he looked a little slow last night. He had, he was able to get by the players. And again, they were using that length, but. Hunting for the foul shots, fishing for the calls once again. And he he just could not convert the baskets that we're accustomed, we were accustomed to seeing very early on. And what are they now? Eight and eight and three in the eleven games that he has played. Keith, he had a layup that I can't blame him for this when the ball just spun out a uh, layup to to cut the lead to one when they were down three. And then as you talked about in the first segment there the two offensive fouls that went against him in the in the fourth quarter alone, it was just a tough night for their two stars. And, yes, Joel Embiid just looked a little bit out of sorts last night against that Raptors team. Maybe that wasn't the team for him to be out of sorts because he hasn't had such a great great history against them. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: you're right. And, and the thing is, you know, right now, I remember we talked about James Harden a couple segments ago. Where you asked me, was I concerned? And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 you said yeah. it's still early, and and um, I, I'm a little concerned. I mean, last night I didn't like what I saw, um, from James. And 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 what I'm saying is, you know, the fourth quarter, Joel was gassed. You know, they needed somebody to step up. James, now don't get me wrong, yeah. James stepped up a couple nights ago. Uh, when they, when, when Friday they beat the, the yeah, Dallas Mavericks against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and it's not like, you know, it's not like Orlando came to town or, you know, you know what I mean? It's not like Houston came to <laughs> yeah, town to yeah. take and taken team. Dallas is a, a hot team that was hot. James is on fire. Now on this fourth quarter, opponent, yep. a formidable opponent, mm-hmm. James played in the fourth quarter. He played nine minutes and 21 seconds. He was 0 for two from the field, right? He missed his long three-pointer. He went two for four from the foul line. And the reason that's the point out is because there was two foul shots he had. And if he would have made one of them, he would have tied the game. He missed both. Toronto comes down the other end and scores a bucket. So basically they go from being down two. They go from being down two to being down, was it five? Was it a three he made? Like so, no, it was they were
0: down was, three. They were down was, three because it was a floater. It was a floater that he hit. Okay, so they were. It so, was ninety. Yeah, I, I think it was ninety-one you know, eighty-eight or something like that.
1: I, yeah, but anyway, so so they were down, right? So they were down, and then so you're mm-hmm. saying to yourself, like, dude, you know that 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 was that was un James Harden like, right? He only had one assist, and he had two personal fouls and four turnovers, right? And it yeah. just looked like yeah. he, he – I, I don't know if it's the hip. I mean, excuse me, not the hip. If it's the hamstring, but it just doesn't look like the same James Harden. You know what I mean? He just doesn't. He looks yeah. sluggish. He just doesn't look like the same uh, the same James Harden. And, and you know, when, when this trade was made, it was made with one of those things where the Sixers need to get uh, – uh joel consistent help consistent help and it just last night that's something that they got to work on you know and i don't know what it is like and the thing in, in james defense he's not he's not like using injury as an excuse but if you look at it he has a bad
0: hand he already pointed out that he, he mentioned that he was playing in the post game right keith he said he was going to play against miami he said that that's his plan, but, but yeah, he's but, but what I'm saying is he had a bad,
1: he has a bad hammy and he has a bad calf. So if you got a bad right. calf and a hammy, you, you think your lift isn't there. So to me, it's like, you know, the, he's another guy that they got to get a healthy because he just does not look like the same player that he looked like in the first three games. He just doesn't, you know, he's trying, he's being more of a facilitator, and then there was a bad stretch that he had. You know, we talked about it last night as well. The one where he he passed the ball to DeAndre Jordan where DeAndre was trying to set a screen for him. They go back the other way. Yeah, I, and then all of a sudden he's dribbling the ball. George Niang tries to do a pick for him at midcourt. Well, whoever it was stripped him and then goes the other way. So it was like, and then they come back down and it is another turnover. So like it was a so it was yep. just you know it was just a terrible sequence a, a terrible sequence and that's something that they got to correct man that's
0: something that they got to really correct Yeah that was a terrible sequence Keith the score was 87-86 in favor of the Raptors when you talked about his two missed free throws so he would have put the Sixers up one or tied tied it or up one at that point and then Pascal Siakam came back with that 10 footer uh, to, to do exactly what you're saying. And, yeah, man, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right when it comes to the James Harden part of it. There's so many layers to what's going on with him right now. We can talk about is he saving himself a little bit for the postseason, but so far in the games that he hasn't looked right, even in the games that he's looked pretty good, you've seen some times where it, it seems like he is maybe favoring something when, as far as his legs go, whether it's the camp, the calf or the hamstring, whatever injury that it may be, that he's favoring it and it's causing him to miss these shots. And one more thing before we uh, move forward is the you know, the fact that when I, when I look at him and he does the step-back three, right, I'm cool with the step-back three. It's great, especially when there's a run, it's a dagger against the other team. It's deflating. You can take the energy away from them, timeout, whatever it may be. But I've seen him make these mid-range jump shots on step backs or just getting to a spot and pulling up. And while that may not be his game like it used to be in the past, maybe that's what he needs right now. Maybe that's what the team needs right now because of the injury that you're talking about, where it may be bothering him a little bit, where he cannot get that lift from beyond the arc, but he can get to 17, 18, 19 feet and knock down. That is a layup for him. 17, 18, 19, that mid-range jump shot. That is a layup, Keith. And maybe he needs to incorporate that a little bit more as well. And then as the game is going and the adrenaline is there, then you can step back a little bit from the three-point line and knock down uh, the three-pointer there. So that that's just something that I would like to continue to monitor. And when you see Joel Embiid struggle like he did last night, when we talk about why that could be an issue, it's also because no one stepped up to help him out why he's carried them and, low and, and shoulder the load for a majority of the season, why he's in the MVP candidate conversation, it's because of stuff like that. And you go and make a deal for Harden to do exactly what we needed to see from Harden last night, which we did not see, unfortunately, late in the game to close things out and pick up a victory for the 76ers. And, Keith, with that, it's the second night of a back-to-back. Next, we'll talk about what happens now as we preview the Sixers and the Miami Heat. Next on Locked
1: On 76ers. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sporting betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online where the game starts.
0: Keith, tonight, the Philadelphia 76ers host the Miami Heat, the top team in the Eastern Conference. They are three and a half games back of the Miami Heat after falling to the Raptors. The Boston Celtics are at least tied as far as games back of the Miami Heat. So they've caught the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are in third place behind the Bucs. And then the Miami Heat at the top and uh, percentage points ahead of the Boston Celtics because the Celtics have one more game, I believe, off the top of my head. This is an important one tonight because as part of the three-game homestand, they look so good against the Dallas Mavericks. James Harden, to your point, 11 points in the fourth quarter when they needed to close that team out. Last night, the struggles. We looked at this as an opportunity for them to pick up at least two uh, of the three because they were not easy games. They were some really good opponents. They're going on a road trip after this one, Keith, out west. Two games in LA, and then ending up in Phoenix on Sunday, the top team in the NBA. This is this is a huge game for them, not just for seeding purposes, but also, the for morale, maybe, uh, something that could also uh, help them out and tell them something about themselves on the second night of a back-to-back where they struggled last night and still playing the top team in the East this evening.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I mean, right now, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler is listed as questionable with uh, his, his – uh, what is it? Okay. Um, Well, I think it's, let me, let me, I I think it's, I think it's like a, yeah, it's like a, it's a hamstring or a calf (laughs) or something like that. But, but Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is is listed as questionable. Um, a sprained right ankle. I'm getting it all mixed up. I'm like half hamstring Uh, and a sprained right right. ankle, right? He's
0: banged up all over the place anyway. Yeah. yeah,
1: He's he's banged up when you, but when you look at it, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry, you know, North Philly, Villanova, Cardinal Doherty, you know, he's going to play tonight, um, Point guard. He, he missed. I think he missed the last game that they played. Well, he definitely did. You no, know, Kyle's in his first year there, doing pretty good. He's averaging twelve point seven points, seven point seven assists. Now, this is his one guy that scares me for the Sixers. I don't know what it is, but whenever Gabe Vincent plays the Sixers, he just yeah, dominates. Yeah. He scorches them, right? Gabe Sixer Vincent, killer. Yeah, Sixer killer. Like. You know, here's a guy that averaged 8.9. He was averaging 8.9, point, 8.9 points and 3.3 assists. Now, Bam Adebayo, one of the best bigs out there, a little bit undersized at 6'9", but he's averaging 19 and 10, right? He has recorded 10 double-doubles in the last six games. And then Duncan Robinson is a guy who can have a pretty good game, you know, as that as that wing. You know, he he's averaging 11.4 points. But he has connected on 734 three-pointers, right? Already second most in Heat history. Only Tim Hardaway with 806 has more, right? So, you know, we're he's just been struggling this season. Yeah, he's been struggling. But he did, it seems like he doesn't struggle to, too much against the Sixers, though. You know what I mean? It just doesn't yeah. seem that way. But the thing is about the Sixers, and, and we didn't even talk about Tyler Hero. Who's like the leading front runner for six man of the year? So you know, what I mean, that's what I'm be. saying. As he should be. So you know, what I mean, so this is going to be their fourth and final matchup of the regular season. So far, Miami leads the series at two to one, right? Um, so my my Miami has currently won three of the last four overall meetings, including seven of the last eleven. So this has been a team that has really gave the 76ers fits right now. We don't know if Joel Embiid is going to play. Right. But this is one of those teams that has given them fits. And as you said, you know, it's one of those things where you wanted to come out of this three game home stand at two and one, you wanted to do that. At least. And at least, at least yeah. two and one. And now it's like, you know, this is a Miami team that, you know, even if Jimmy Butler doesn't play, they still are a formidable foe. And, uh, you know, it's, the Sixers are going to have their hands full tonight.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about physicality, Doc Rivers mentioned it last night where they were very physical uh, against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, pardon me, against the 76ers. And when we're going to talk about physicality with the Raptors, one, one of the teams, if you ask me, name – two or three teams that are very physical. I'm going with Eric Spolster's Miami Heat. They get in, they dig in, they get after it, and they make things hard. So when you speak about Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, those are two players right there, P.J. Tucker, that will dig in, that will want to get under your skin and try to throw you off of what you want to do successfully and, and try to make it very hard for you to get into your stuff, your action, your rhythm. Uh, and and we talk about Embiid struggling. Bam Adebayo, while he may be undersized, he's very athletic. He's a a top player in this league as an all-star level player, and he, he knows how to play Embiid a little bit. Embiid has got the better of him. Adebayo's got the better of Embiid from time to time, and this will only be the second time I believe we've seen Adebayo this season. But they haven't played since Friday night. The Sixers are playing now their third game in four nights. So when we talk about the fatigue, uh, of Joel Embiid and quite possibly James Harden as well. We saw it during the stretch there, Keith, who was at the back-to-back situation for G- George Niang, where he could not hit shots. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it affects all players. You know That's just what it is. Your legs are your legs. It, minutes that you play, you play a, a high number of minutes. It's going to catch up to you at some point. But when you are a championship-caliber team, like the Sixers aspire to be, you have to fight through these things. And this is, once again, a physical team, a smart basketball team. They play their way, the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat way, right? And uh, Eric Spolster always has them well-prepared. And they'll find players like Gabe Vincent who can come in and destroy Armani Brooks last night for the Raptors hit two big three-pointers for them and the Miami Heat are the epitome of finding these with their player development, players that turn into something, Duncan Robinson gave Vincent, in this case that we're talking about, uh, Max Strus. So they just have stuff. And when they have this stuff, the Sixers have to fight through that and also find the guys that can help out Embiid and Harden to find their way and also have that stuff to, to get things done. Keep these players off the glass. You need more from Tobias Harris tonight, Keith. You cannot have your... Arguably your third, fourth best player or let's just say your third or fourth option offensively ending up with five points. And I understand that he was in foul trouble, but that cannot be tonight against the Miami Heat. You Got to find yeah. a way to get it going. Got to find a way to aim and give yourself a chance to win. Can't win when you're playing like that and only scoring five points. Yeah, and they got to stay in their lanes, too. A lot of guys, you know,
1: last night were a little bit doing too much. Tobias did, too. There was a play where he turned the ball over. Where, you know, it looked like he was trying to do a dribble handoff to Joel, but he kept dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. <laughs> and then he got it stripped and they went back the other yeah. way. I mean, it was, I mean, when you look at it, uh, their turnovers. I mean, you look at the 76ers last night. Uh, you know, you say nine, to yourself, right? they only had nine, they yeah, had 10 turnovers. Yeah. But they were, woo they came at some inopportune times, dude. They did. Like, you know, it was, it was, they were some backbreaking turnovers that they actually had so and most of them they fell apart in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line so you know Miami is a team that we're you know in the past like the Sixers said when they played Dallas we basically beat them at their own medicine by going to a zone well what you going to do because Miami has shown that they'll go to a zone and if James isn't making those shots they may stay in that zone, right? Yeah, so, right. So, so let's let us see, this is gonna be a true test for the 76ers.
0: Yeah, and one more uh, about James Harden, Keith. The one thing, two things quickly, James Harden, there are some opportunities where I, I've seen and we were talking about his injury, potential injury that could be hampering him a little bit. He's had some open opportunities from beyond the three point line on a catch and shoot chances where the ball swings to him. And that was one thing that I wanted to look at when the trade was executed because we were talking so much about Seth Curry and his shooting ability, which is, we know, a fantastic aspect of of any team because of how well he he shoots the basketball. Keith, I've seen too many of these where he's passed them up. We speak about others. Last night, Tobias Harris had one at 435, I remember, specifically. And now Joel Embiid ultimately got a layup. But at 435, the ball swung to him on the uh, left side of the floor, and he was wide open for a three. He passed it up and then gave it to beating and Embiid scored uh, on the perimeter. So I would prefer Harris to shoot that. And I looked specifically at Doc Rivers down the other end. He and one other coach, we've seen this before, Keith, raising their hand because why are you passing up this open shot? This is what we've asked you to do. Shoot these threes. Now, again, I don't know if it was because he had uh, some 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 uh, time off the floor and he didn't feel good at that moment being on the floor. The ball didn't feel right in his hands when he caught it. I don't know what the reasoning is, but that was a missed opportunity again. And both he and we've seen him do much better over the later last part of these few games. Tobias Harris catch and shoot. James Harden has to do the same thing. It's a part of the offense It's the flow. There's no need to dribble, 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 and then do the step back into the three when there's a catch-and-shoot opportunity as well. You save some energy where well, you could use that on the defensive end, and you might just simply have an opportunity to make that shot off the catch with no defense right there for you. So something that, Keith, I don't know if you saw it as well that I, I just wanted it. to toss, toss you away uh, before we stepped away. But, Keith, as you said, a, a big game tonight an opportunity for them to clean up the mess that they created from last night, a huge one tonight against the Miami Heat. But listen, man, thank you. Thanks to uh, everybody out there. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Our next episode, which will be tomorrow, will certainly be recapping the 76ers and the Miami Heat. Can the Sixers clean up again? what they uh, made of a mess last night against the Raptors. Can they take their second game of a three-game homestand before they go on the road for three? We'll find out, but as you uh, make this your first listen, now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Keith, as always, man, it's a blast talking hoops with you. We hope everybody enjoyed it. And we'll catch up with everybody tomorrow as we recap the game and look ahead to the road trip for the Philadelphia 76ers. Keith, have a great one, man. We'll talk again next time. All right, man. See you. Talk to you tomorrow, bro. You got Tonight, it. rather. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm.